Welcome or welcome back to The Bicultural Identity, a podcast created from the experiences unique to young Asians raised in a Western society. We're your hosts, Connie and Jenny. Our weekly episodes contain conversations around social issues, pop culture topics, and nostalgic childhood memories that are significant in our lives as second-gen Canadians. Hello, everyone. Hello. Welcome back to another week's episode. Today, we will be focusing our episode on one Asian celebrity. This is a series we used to do quite a bit on. Um, We touched on a few other creators and like we touched on an entire company at one point, 88 Mm -hmm, Rising mm -hmm. or a label um, where we just focus on introducing Asian creatives and like, I guess, notable Asian people in society just to talk about like their careers and their impacts. Yeah. You know, because I think it's important to celebrate. For sure. And we usually choose people that made a big impact in our lives or we admire a lot, which is also why we must rescind a previous episode that we did. Yes, we will be. um, So before we get started on this episode, we wanted to say that we're going to be deleting an episode we made on Chris Wu or Wu Yifan because recent allegations have come out. uh, And I don't know if we should go into much detail about it because it's just like a lot. Yeah, um, we would be talking forever. Maybe we could yeah. de- dedicate an episode to like these kind of topics, you know, male idols in both the Korean and mm-hmm. Chinese entertainment industry that have committed similar crimes. Yeah. So I guess like trigger warning, but it's just recent like allegations around sexual assault. Mm-hmm. And for everything we advocate on this podcast and in our lives, we just like, you know, we want to stand with the victims. Yeah. And therefore not contribute any more to the fame and the conversations around him or anything related to him. Yep. So, yeah. With that being said, we have an ulti- like a huge queen to celebrate today, yes. Miss Aquafina. Unproblematic queen thus far. <laughs> <laughs> thus far. For those who um, don't know, like I'll, I'll just do a really quick like I guess um, the most notable bits on Aquafina in recent in the recent years is that she was in Ocean's Eight and Crazy Rich Asians. Mm-hmm. That's where she first went mainstream, and we thought we would just explain a little bit more about her rise to fame, like her career so far, and then her impacts after. Sounds good. So she talks about this quite a bit, but her roots are like her name is Nora Lum. And her roots are from like New York City in the Queens borough. I think it's a borough. Mm-hmm. Am I wrong? Anyway, um, and she is born to a Chinese Korean family. But just for a little more detail, her mother, who was from the Korean side, actually did pass away when she was four. Um, yeah, so she grew up predominantly, yeah, predominantly like um, raised by her Chinese American father mm-hmm. and his like the grandparents on his side. Okay. Um, and it's also important to note that. Her father is like, you know, culturally American and he is a native English speaker. Her grandparents are fluent in English, all of that, which mm-hmm. people always incorrectly assume about her and about all, you know, Asian Mood. Americans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember in, in one of the first interviews I ever watched Aquafina do, she's talking about how she made her grandma react to her rap song, My Vag. We'll probably talk she about that did. song. Yeah, yeah, it's so funny. I was like, your grandma understands that? Because I, mm-hmm. of course, incorrectly assume that a lot of Asians here, like, you know, most of us probably have immigrant parents, but obviously her story is different. So, yeah, I think that's when I realized that her her entire family has been in America for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so basically, like, it brings in a really interesting mix because she still, like, understands her, I guess, like, Chinese 
culture mm-hmm. um, and Korean culture, but like for the most part, she's like a very, very balanced, like or dominantly American cultural experience as well. Yeah. Um, and basically, like the important part to note is that because of this, her upbringing wasn't like your stereotypical second generation upbringing where they forced her through, like, you know, she didn't become Aquafina because she was forced through music. Mm-hmm. Um, it was actually her dad's own passion for music that she just had it around her, but she never, like, was put into lessons intentionally. I see. As, uh-huh. like, other Asian American yeah. kids often are. Um, and she only really, like, found some passion for, like, creativity and art through watching or, like, through personal uh, experimentation until she finally, like, went to LaGuardia High School of Music and Art and Performing Arts in New York. And then it, like, it obviously, like, led into, like, she didn't go straight into music, but her background is in, um, like, uh, she has a degree in journalism from going to the University of Albany, um, SUNY. Wow, this girl's all over the place. Yeah. And then she basically, like, had fully graduated and worked as a publicist in in the publishing industry. Whoa, Um, that's so so cool. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Very different. Mm -hmm. Um, What I find interesting is that if you examine the stories of a lot of um, Asian celebrities, whether it be actresses or singers, um, a lot of them have had full-on professional careers in, like, you know, STEM or something more more quote-unquote acceptable by Asian parents before they Mm -hmm. pursue a career in the arts. So another example would be her co-star Simu Liu, Mm -hmm. like he was an accountant in Deloitte. So it's just like cool to see that these people have had like huge careers before their like current profession. Mm -hmm. Maybe you'll be the next Aquafina, Connie. Maybe! You guys can look forward to that. What would you be known for? Huh. (laughs) I have no talent in the arts. This podcast... Yeah, that's true. What if we take off? <laughs> we'll be entertainers. <laughs> so, okay. With that aside, with Connie's <laughs> fame aside, um, Aquafina's, or Nora at the time, I guess, her her fame actually came largely from this degree and, like, this background in publishing. Um, basically, like, she... Obviously, like, she was a good writer, and she always loved comedy. Um, so mm-hmm. she actually wrote her... What do you even call it? Her viral song, My Vahedge, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> back when she was 19. But after she, like, recorded it within Friends, like, it was very much a small thing that everyone thought was really funny. She mm-hmm. actually used her kind of, like, publishing background to contact one of these, like, women's cultural websites that she was obsessed with at the time. Wow. And it was called The Hairpin. Uh-huh. Um, and the hairpin had basically like shared her um, her song on their website, and I actually took a look, and sadly the website did close in 2018. Oh no! Um, but I kind of wanted to go like I'll probably go in and read some of their old articles. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. do they have it archived? Like the site still exists. They're just, uh-huh. just like a, a goodbye message and everything. Oh, okay, so. I see. Mm-hmm. So we'll probably be able to find my vag on there too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think I remember watching the music video for my vag. And I was younger at the time. What was it? 2014? I was just finishing up high school. So, Mm -hmm. like, you still had that immature, like, mindset. And so, like, things like that were, like, just super funny to me. And I think I probably would have missed the empowering part of it. (laughs) I literally, like, it's funny because Connie and I are so, like, we're so different. Uh And I would have been, like, thoroughly scarred by that song. (laughs) Um, But I didn't even, like, I don't think I even knew it existed back then. I had to watch, I think I watched the YouTube video for the first time today. I think I'm going to watch it again. I don't remember how it goes. 
yeah it's, it's so like long. so it's like honestly the og probably not og okay i'm not a uh, rap and like a uh, hip-hop connoisseur but like it was like the og wop basically oh wow you know like it was kind of it kind of had the same impact on being like whoa this is kind of vulgar Especially but as i'm an here Asian for it. girl like that's yeah. not the typical face you'd see of like someone yeah, who exactly this. Yeah. Yeah. And then she went on with like other songs like NYC Bitches. <laughs> and um, there was one she literally wrote called like Mayor Bloomberg or something. And it was about when he like banned like supersized sodas or something like that. And she was worried she couldn't drink her like cocktails anymore or something. I don't even know. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. funny. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was going to so, be a serious issue in politics, but no, it was supersizing drinks. <laughs> I know, right? It's so jokes. Um, yeah, and basically, like, she kind of just got known because my, um, the hairpin and then literally everyone else in the, on the internet discovered my vag. Mm-hmm. Um, and she went on to, like, re- release a whole album with, like, similar comedic rap songs. Nice. I've never listened to I, this album. I'm going to check it out now. Yeah. I honestly, like, it's weird because I think the first time I heard about Aquafina was when she was, like, a rapper, but I only heard of her through Jenna Marbles or someone that was talking about her career. I think it was Jenna Marbles. Yeah. (laughs) And then she randomly appeared in the advertisements for Crazy Rich Asians. I was like, hey, I know that girl. But where do I know that girl from? (laughs) Yeah. I just remember her because her name is so unique and funny, like Aquafina. I love it. Yeah. So How creative. Um, yeah. So basically, like, she went viral. She started, like, being invited to more and more events. Um, and in this, like, in, in this case, she obviously, like, with the song called My Badge, put herself in, like, this <laughs> feminist position. So uh-huh. um, I guess, like, one of her big initial career successes was she was casted in MTV's show called The Girl Code in 2014, um, where it was just, like, a cast of these, like, female, uh, I guess, like, not influencers, but, you know, like, semi like celebrity and like personalities who would discuss social issues together and talk about you know like how you would deal with it according to the girl code and everything and like it that's was, so like, cool yeah it's one of that's those. something i'd want to watch nowadays like why didn't Honestly, they continue <laughs> it's the same thing with like how she was like really obsessed with um the hairpin as like a women's culture website mm-hmm. and i was like can i didn't know there were women's culture websites now i'm gonna do well, research into like, that knew, there must be others that exist that are big. yeah yeah. So I think uh, like around the same time, we're just like just a few years later. Um, it was also the time where like a lot of other Asian American rappers started paying attention to her mm-hmm. um, and seeing like her success through My Badge. And basically, she kind of like got invited into a community of Korean American rappers uh, with people like Dumbfounded, Rex Dizzy, and Lyrics. That's a throwback um, to our 88 Rising episode. <laughs> yeah. And, um, sorry, Asian-American, not all Korean-American. I'm not too clear. Mm-hmm. I don't follow the rap scene again. Um, but um, as, as an inclusion of being in these, this, like, circle of people, she ended up being in a documentary called Bad Rap. Um, oh. And basically, like, Dumbfounded, I believe, has talked about her before when um, he kind of, like, saw her stuff floating around mm-hmm. and he thought it was so refreshing to have someone who could actually write like really clever lyrics good comedy good flow versus he kind of said like a lot of asian american rappers are just unoriginal which like i have to admit fair that, enough. that was true yeah. back then at least mm-hmm. before like 88 rising started featuring more before um, it <laughs> <laughs> okay 
Um, so basically, that's like the beginning. Um, there's a lot more about it. Like we've, we're linking some articles like usual in our show notes. But through this whole process, she really solidified herself as this personality with a very self-deprecating vibe. And that's oh like the God, charm she had. That. Right. <laughs> and she became like she really easily put herself as like an icon for feminists or feminist minded people. Mm-hmm. And especially for people in that group who were part of the Asian American audiences. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like a niche like selection of the population. Mm-hmm. Like even during the success of My Vag and everything, she was featured in a lot of New York specific publications. So it started like kind of regional and then it went into like specifically feminist and Asian Americans. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. So this brings us to her rise to mainstream, which Connie can probably talk to. Well, yeah, I think the two main movies I know Aquafina from, one I haven't seen, but like I know she was in it. Mm -hmm. So those are Ocean's 8 and Crazy Rich Asians. So Mm -hmm. I guess that was her rise to fame. And then recently, maybe like two years ago, she did The Farewell, Mm -hmm. um, which I watched recently. And that is like a huge 180 to the other two movies because those are more like casual blockbuster movies whereas the farewell Mm -hmm. is more of an indie like super emotional serious movie like usually aquafina has her funny vibe and you know her character in crazy rich asians she's just like Mm -hmm. comedic relief but in the farewell she had to tackle like the main emotional role so i love when actors are able to do that Mm -hmm. and like they kind of go from a goofy role to like you know something really poignant and cool to like and i'm not a person of like hollywood culture per se Mm -hmm. so for me like a similar comparison and i'm sure maybe he's had other movies similar but if not then i'll be right so you know like adam sandler yeah okay how he's always in goofy like movies and everything and then he randomly came out with uh oh my god what was it called uncut jazz oh my god (laughs) you watched that I watched that because it was so like hyped up and it was insane. Like <laughs> I've never seen him act like that. <laughs> was it super serious? I forget what it's about. Yeah, it's like um hours of pure stress and anxiety. Ooh. Not for me. <laughs> no, it's not. It's really not. Um but yeah, kind of like that thing or it's always interesting to see comedians transition from comedy to mm-hmm. like drama. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Or like Robin Williams. That's why I like. Mm-hmm. Like he can do Mrs. Doubtfire and the Dead Poets. But Society. he's kind of a legend. That's true. He's like the prime example of what comedians can do with acting. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, good point. Um, so yeah, so the next like piece that already exists for her in her career is interesting because it's a st- like a. It's focused directly around her and her story, mm-hmm. um, and this is her show or like her short short series i don't i think there's a season two coming out actually Ooh. Um, it's called aquafina is nora from queens and I've it's basically it. about like um her like herself nora lum and her cousin and basically how they struggle with being young adults in flushing new york and it talks about like how she kind of uh figures things out with the help of her father and her grandmother mm-hmm. um so that is like Something that she was able, or a project she was able to put her name on, which is really cool. So is that supposed to be like a comedy special or is it more serious? Yeah, yeah. so it was, um, it's on Comedy Central. Okay. Um, and basically it, I've seen a few clips of it, I think on TikTok and it looks Ooh. pretty funny. Okay, we have so to watch it, we'll Jenny. have to watch that, yeah. yeah. 
Maybe it'll appear in our recommendations later. Mm-hmm. It's on Crave, so we'll have to subscribe to Crave <laughs> and watch it. Okay, that's true. Mm-hmm. Good plan. So, so we can talk about Aquafina's future projects really quickly. Yes. Um, I know she's going to be in Marvel's Shang-Chi. Mm-hmm. And then you have written here that she's going to be in Ryan Murphy's The Prom. Is that a TV show? It's like two adaptations. It's like The Prom and Jumanji. I actually don't know what The Prom is, but it seems to be like a big thing for some reason. Is it horror? I feel like Ryan Murphy always does horror. It is. I'm just searching it up. <laughs> um, oh, it's already out. Oh, it's out. The rating sucks. <laughs> That's unfortunate, but it's okay. We're still promoting it because she's a queen. <laughs> but um, it's like a, uh, yeah, I believe it's just a musical and comedy. And it's about Broadway stars that are just trying to help a teen who wants to go to prom with her girlfriend. Ooh. Wait, I've seen this trailer before for some reason. But this is like, there's big name people in this, like Meryl Streep, you know. Whoa, that um, big. Key is in this, Keegan-Michael Key. Oh, uh, Nicole Kidman is here. This is uh, a star-studded lineup. What the heck? James Corden. What other no. character can he play other than James Corden? Is this another Cats? <laughs> what is this yeah, another Cats? You said it had a bad rating, right? Yeah, and they also had like really legendary actors in Cats. Oh no, I want to watch it now. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> that's a thing. Is Jumanji out? I lost track of all movies during COVID. Same. I thought a lot of them couldn't really like, or they delayed being released because it's mm-hmm. like they're not going to get much reception but yeah. now that movie theaters are open hmm true i wonder true true anyway that was her whole thing she also recently came out raya and the lost dragon yeah right? the cartoon mm-hmm. yeah so dipping into the animation side of the mm-hmm. voice or, or voice actor side it's on my to watch list exactly same here and then super random fact too is that she so she raps she acts she like does all this stuff she also wrote a travel book for new york city whoa okay that would be the only travel book i want to follow for new york yeah <laughs> like we should you only do that. trust people who like grew up there and had a really like local experience and you know that aquafina's cool and has taste so like it makes ne- it even better yeah next time we go to new york city let's just do like her travel yeah, book sounds trip. good. That'd be so funny. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's a whole rundown of her uh, career so far. We missed like a ton of like small features here and there. So definitely look into it if you want to, um, you know, learn more about her and what she's been in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm sure a lot of like her fans who might be listening to this will know a lot more than us as well. Yeah. Because we kind of like, you know how we said she's known for her self-deprecating vibe and she's like an mm-hmm. icon for feminists and Asian Americans. That's kind of how like we know her. Yeah. And less so for like her specific works, which is really interesting. Yeah. She's such a personality. That's how I'd put mm-hmm. it. And mm-hmm. that's how like most Asian Americans resonate with her. But it's mm-hmm. definitely like good to have a huge picture of how like successful her career was and how much work she's done. Yeah. And that's why, like, you just transition us perfectly to the second piece of this show, which is focusing on how exactly she creates impact with her career. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the most interesting thing that she's said in, or not the most interesting, but one interesting thing that came up in an interview she did was that um, she explicitly talked about how in in her many encounters with people across the industry, um, everyone likes to ask her about like who her inspirations are, or they recommend her to, you know, like do her research and look into certain people, yeah. uh, successful people in the entertainment industry. And she talks about how she doesn't model her career off of a specific person or an example of a person, because 
is to her that like creates this limitation of where you mm-hmm. can go next. Yeah. And we can see that in the work she's done. Like she's yeah. kind of jumped literally everywhere. And that's what makes her so interesting. Like you never know where Aquafina is going to pop up again. Yeah. And there's like really no one like her. And I think that's important in an art sector, right? Like mm-hmm. I think a lot of celebrities in the industry that don't end up like their fame doesn't end up lasting for a long time. Mm-hmm. It's usually because they're too like mainstream or they they're trying too hard to be like fit into a certain mold like aquafina yeah you get stuck in a personal brand right Uh yeah that's scary too like especially like if you're a disney star and then you just exactly that's what i was thinking of when i was talking just now Mm -hmm. um yeah exactly that's a really good point i also think it's like important because she also talks about how basically like the industries uh like she's under a lot of pressure because she's really worried about the industry's current increased awareness of inclusivity but how Mm -hmm. it could really easily fade out if it's not given like the proper support that is necessary for keeping the interest and the money Mm -hmm. so like for her it's like um you would kind of or near the beginning of her career, you just had to take opportunities where they came because, like, people were not knocking on the door of, like, random Asian-American uh, New York yeah. City girls, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay, that, like, kind of adds to your first point, too, about how she doesn't want to fit into a mold or she wa- she doesn't want to base her career off anyone. It's because there's, like, a scarce amount of Asian-Americans in the industry in the first place, and a lot of them probably fit into certain stereotypes that, like, Americans already have of Asian mm-hmm. American entertainers or like, you know, how their personality should be, how how they should act. But I think like the really special part about Aquafina is that she doesn't try to like not be stereotypically Asian. Like she'll still have her moments where she like, you know, promotes Asian culture or like says something super relatable and quote unquote mm-hmm. Asian. But she also isn't like anything close to your stereotypical Asian girl. Like she's so sex positive and loud and like confident about her beliefs and everything. Mm-hmm. So I think like she found her own vibe and that's like the reason for her success. And yeah, <laughs> that's an interesting point you bring up because she also talks about like she hosted an SNL uh, a while ago. I believe it was in 2018. Mm-hmm. And in her monologue, she talks about when she was like um, younger and uh, Lucy Liu was okay. hosting SNL mm-hmm. and she was too young to get into SNL studio but she had <laughs> gone down to the studio because she lived in New York so it was kind of easy and she just stood outside the building to be in proximity of like of history being made basically mm-hmm. and she just talked about how seeing Lucy Liu host SNL uh, like opened her eyes to career and like you know like life possibilities yeah. that weren't otherwise exposed mm-hmm. so I think that's like at most that's what she bases her career off of and the impact she leaves and she talks about in other interviews as well is like um her biggest compliments from people so far have just been fans or fans that come up to her and they don't say like oh you're perfect or i love you they just tell her like thank you for existing right that is the best compliment you can receive Mm -hmm. so basically all this goes down to um i think the we can see her impact in her career based on her personal project, which is Aquafina is Nora from Queens. Mm-hmm. When she was creating this, her purpose was to show New York City from an Asian American perspective, which is a really interesting story to tell. Mm-hmm. And there was a concern at the beginning of producing and creating this show that there wouldn't be enough of like the right kind of writers to hire because you needed people who could tell the story from both the female gaze and the Asian American okay, gaze. Okay, yeah. So that's what she heard a lot from people. They were worried mm-hmm. she wouldn't find people. 
She said it was so quickly disproven. Um, the amount of people that she reviewed and the amount of talent she reviewed for like the creation of this show was crazy. And most of her writer's room actually ended up being with women. And most that's of her awesome. career actually ended up being around women. Well, that's so. really rare. How did she do mm-hmm. that? It's like the messages she always wants to talk about, right? Uh-huh. So like you have to find these um, these niche people. And like basically her whole priority now, having achieved success in her career, is to con- continue reaching out to these promising new voices mm-hmm. that are have been pushed away by like the standard boundaries of Hollywood. Wow. This makes mm-hmm. you love her so much more. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's really beautiful to see. Like I think, like you said, most people in the industry who are Asian have to take any opportunity they get and that's fine right it's such a competitive world out there with not as many opportunities for people who look like us but for her Mm -hmm. to like actually stand by like her values and fight for like more inclusivity and like representation among people she actually thinks like needs it is so refreshing and important to see so Mm -hmm. Exactly. She literally says that word for word, like how in the beginning of her career, she didn't have control over the options she was taking. Um, And even today, she finds that she can only get hired as a risk, like quote unquote, um, (laughs) and only like a few forward looking production teams would hire kind of like this vulgar tomboy, Mm self-deprecating Asian American woman um, to be in their productions. And like, obviously, her opportunities are getting better and better, but she just talks about how like it was so difficult having so little opportunities that you just had to take whatever came to you. For sure. Um, but for the most part, I think, like, you know, in general, an entertainment career comes with those struggles or, like, any career comes sure. with those struggles as well. And so, yeah. like, it kind of bugs me because I think there's a thing that goes around online that, like, you know, the same few Asians are always hired for movies. You know, like Ken Jong, mm-hmm. Aquafina, Samu. Who else? Jimmy O. Yang. And, yeah. <laughs> So, like, people like that. And it's like, yeah, I wish I saw more new faces in the industry, too, of, like, Asian Americans. But also, like, I I can see that maybe a lot of them don't do enough for, like, representation because they're struggling to, like, get the roles in the first place. And even though they're Mm -hmm. big, that doesn't mean they can, like, you know, loosen up. But, Mm -hmm. like, it's at least good to see Aquafina dedicating herself to finding these new faces. Yeah, Yeah, and I think she does, like, so much for, like intersectional feminism too right because Mm -hmm. she just like she never like in your face will talk about um or i think it's almost important that she never is like super um blunt with the way she talks about representation like she just is unapologetically like a a feminist and an asian american woman Mm -hmm. and um she talks openly about how she still continues to feel insane imposter syndrome and oh like, God. not Don't to be all? rude to Aquafina, but like we've all like we've seen her interviews when she's feeling awkward and out of place. You uh-huh. can literally tell by her body language, and like it's so <laughs> relatable, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, one thing to address though is that when you search her, there is some controversy actually around cultural appropriation oh. because sometimes she can talk with a black accent, right? Yikes! And um. I've actually seen like multiple TikToks. For some reason, I don't know why, like, I'm not really on Aquafina TikTok, but I have seen people from New York literally explaining that, like, when you grow up in New York, you That's just That's what like I was that. just going to say. But, but then I didn't like want to speak for But it's like this awkward thing where people mm-hmm. want to cancel everyone. Yeah, it's like you grew up in Queens. And obviously, like, now she's probably more mindful of it, hopefully, because mm-hmm. it is still a touchy thing. But, like, there are even places in Canada where you grow up where it's just, like, 
the way of talking in high school. That's yes, also why there's so many people make like our Arabic age, jokes. Yeah, right? like people our age, a lot of them would say like Arabic slang words or like, you know, black terms mm-hmm. like the N word. And like, obviously that's not good. That's terrible. We don't condone that. But it's like just the way things were back then almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's an interesting piece. Like, I think people try to get you for that, but it's awkward when you're like, I, I, it's just like it's almost worse because she looks like she should have an Asian accent, mm-hmm. but like it rubs people the wrong way when she has a, a, a black accent. <laughs> and then one of the specific posts I saw about this was written by like a white guy. So like, come on, dude. Right. So like, uh, I'm anyway. rolling my eyes right now. <laughs> so moving on, I think the reason why I really wanted to talk about Aquafina is um, again we haven't seen like all of her works, but. Ever since I've seen her speak about her experience as an Asian American woman and specifically as a Chinese Korean woman, it's just been so, there's so many parallels to my own upbringing. Mm-hmm. Obviously, like I'm not a third gen like her, but we have like weird similarities. Like both of our, or her grandmother is from Beijing. Okay. Which is the like same us. as like half of our roots, you know? Mm-hmm. And basically, like when she talks about the Chinese American experience, she sees it so much like us, right, Connie? Like, mm-hmm. um, it's not like what you get from Boba or like, I don't know, what else do they talk about? <laughs> raves. <laughs> yeah, raves, Boba, like that stuff. <laughs> she just like is existing between two cultures and yeah. is influenced by like their cuisines, like their mm-hmm. their um, their cultural norms and everything. And it's just like so refreshing to see like, something being talked about without needing the extra stereotypes or symbols you know mm-hmm. yeah that's like i really think it's important mm-hmm. we've had this conversation before it's important to have that boba identity that um, <laughs> rave identity that abg identity because like there is no culture yeah for asian canadians asian americans exactly but like to have someone so alike to my own experiences is something like i don't see very often yeah, for sure. I think I value it a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I never thought about it in depth, but like you just summarized it in such a good way. So mm-hmm. thank you, Jenny. Yeah, um, all good. I guess the only little thing I'd like to add is like the reason why I like Aquafina so much is that I think like her personality or like mindset is just something I really want. So it's stuff we already talked about before, right? Like Aquafina has a lot of, makes a lot of self-deprecating jokes. Like her humor is based mm-hmm. on that. And like, you know, we all have our major insecurities. And and I think having like that self-confidence on top of like all my insecurities has been like super difficult for me. But to see her like go out and still have some awkward moments, but for the most part, speaking actually like a really confident tone, like she's really confident in her humor mm-hmm. and herself. It's like a balance that I want to be able to learn how to strike in my life. Yeah. Yeah. So You won't get the full like Aquafina experience from reading interviews like you mm-hmm. have to go to YouTube and yeah, search yeah, yeah, for yeah. interviews her body yeah. language is just <laughs> on yeah. point but yeah that's Aquafina amazing I'm gonna go watch like all her stuff now mm-hmm. which is a great way to segue into recommendations because I will be recommending a film of Aquafina's mm-hmm. and we've already talked about it several times on the previous episode and obviously yes. this episode but I have to like recommend it for this episode um it's the farewell Mm, uh i heard so many good things about this movie and i only recently watched it it's about this asian american woman who has to go back to china because her grandma is terminally ill but no one in the family will tell the grandma that Mm -hmm. 
So they are doing this whole fake wedding for her brother um, mm-hmm. in hopes to bring the family together. But like, it's kind of like a cover up to bring the family together for um, her grandma's sake. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like a really emotional and touching movie of like, and shows Chinese culture, like probably the most accurately out of any film I've seen. Like that's something I could not stop talking about while watching the movie. And it's interesting because Aquafina obviously like can't really speak Chinese well because mm-hmm. she's a third gen. Um, but it works really well for this movie because obviously this girl is like super whitewashed mm-hmm. and then she has to go back to China and like deal with like some culture shock, but also like embrace a lot of the things she missed about China. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know how to put it, but like all the dialogue is so well written because it's literally how Chinese families interact. The setting, mm-hmm. like it, it's just clearly like some ch- person really familiar with Chinese culture directed it and planned everything out. That's so refreshing. Mm-hmm. I loved it. I really did. It's all like, cried. you know, like, I think Crazy Rich Asians gave us a good Hollywood representation and mm-hmm. it actually made me emotional to see mm-hmm. a storyline around, like, an overly dramatic uh, representation of our culture. Yeah, I but just wanted to see like, a dumb rom-com with Asians. Yeah. And it added, like, good elements of our culture, right? Mm-hmm. Versus, um, it sounds like the, the Farewell is, like, that indie, like, uh, real-life drama kind of thing that you need. Exactly. Cool. I will. I well, it's always been on my to watch list. I'm mm-hmm. just scared of getting very sad. Uh, I'm triggered by family. Don't things. worry about that. It's not that sad, guys. Um, okay. It's emotional, but not sad. Okay. All right. So with all that, um, this is Aquafina. She is our queen. Yep. And go support um, her. Yes, please. <laughs> She's gonna do really cool things. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed our discussion on this week's topic. To hear more, you can subscribe to. The Bicultural Identity on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. While you're at it, we'd also greatly appreciate any reviews on iTunes or simply sharing our podcast with your family and friends. But of course, no pressure. As well, any opinions and experiences discussed are solely based on our own experiences as second gens. We invite you to engage with us on our Instagram, at The Bicultural Identity, where you can also find the link to our website with our show notes. Thanks again for listening, and be sure to tune in next Monday for our next episode. See you then!